If you love all things gardening, why not join us at our Spring Fair from the 3rd to the 5th of May at Bewley in Hampshire. You'll find everything you need to kickstart the season. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldfair.com. See you there. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Do you strive to do more for wildlife in your garden? Are you cheered by the birds that visit your feeders or the frogs that spawn in your pond? Many of us already work hard for nature in our outdoor spaces and know the value of welcoming wildlife in, not just for the species that share our space, but for our own mental health and well-being also. Hello, I'm Kate Bradbury, and today I'm in conversation with the wonderful Deborah Meaden, star of BBC Dragon's Den, entrepreneur and nature enthusiast. As well as supporting climate-friendly businesses and championing the natural world, she also has a rather amazing garden. And I started by asking her to describe it. Well, um, it's funny, isn't it? I don't think it's an, I don't think it's my amazing garden. Um, it's kind of a garden that cu- created itself. We bought an old farmhouse. It had virtually no garden at all. Um, in fact, it had lots of yards, lots of big barns and quite a few burnt out tractors on it. Um, but we bought the house and it was pretty dilapidated, but we bought it because it had really lovely bone structure. And, and all we've really done is sort of taken things away and, and allowed it to become itself again. But what that means is sort of around the house, there's more quite formal. I'm, I'm not a really terribly formal garden girl, but quite a lot of structure around the house in the sort of the close proximity. And then beyond that, um, it, it's very natural. You know, we, we love birds, we love wildlife and you don't move to the country and then make it sterile so that, you know, creatures can't live in it. So, you know, it's sort of tightly around us, pretty organised that then beyond that, we just do everything we can to encourage nature. Amazing. It sounds absolutely amazing. Um, so tell me about the wildlife. I mean, what, what species do you get in? What's your favourite? Well, we're so lucky. So when we first turned up here, um, we had literally our first summer, we moved in in August and we had one swallow sitting on a a wire. Um, We now have swallows, swifts, house martins, owls. Um, We have two barn owls. We have a little owl and tawny owl. We have the occasional otter visitors. We have a pond outside our back door and it comes up the reeds. Not frightened of us at all. It eats all of our fish in the pond. Um, and we have a, a, a plethora of birds, including uh, linnets um, and, uh, and nightingales. So, no, we're, we're incredibly lucky. And the lovely thing is we're still discovering it. You know, we still hear a bird song and think, oh, what's that? We haven't heard that before. So, no, we, we feel very lucky. Wow. So you've got otters eating fish in your ponds. That's incredible. And a kingfisher. And a kingfisher sharing. I walked, I've never seen a kingfisher in my life. And I walked, and I've always wanted to. Such good, They always look such beautiful birds. And we walked out of our back door and sitting on the oar that was sort of leant up against the boat was a kingfisher. And it, it moved me to tears. You know, it was like, I can't believe my first kingfisher was actually on our pond. 
Oh, that's so gorgeous. And I mean, it, that's the beauty of wildlife, isn't it? And I think wildlife gardening particularly, you know, you you, you create these moments for yourself that, that then just, just keep rewarding you over time, you know, when you get your first frogs and your first toad. But a kingfisher and an otter in the pond is just, yeah, I'm just, yeah, quite mind blown at the moment. Um, and and the, the swifts and, and, the, and the house martins, do, do they nest in your house? Do, do, do the swallows, do you have barns for them? Are they... we, ha- we have a lot of barns. And actually the owl, one of the barn owls, um, I thought it was the same barn owl, to be honest, because, you know, how do you tell? Um, but actually we saw a really close proximity. We saw one of the barn owls nesting in our, we've got a very old Georgian barn. And the other one um, nests, well, not nests, because they kind of, you know, they make a home there, but they're out and about a lot. Um, but down in the in one of the field shelters. But the actual the swifts and the swallows, we you know we don't knock their nests. We encourage them. We leave openings for them. Um, and actually, this last year we were we were really worried for them. We had quite a lot of swifts, funnily enough. Um, but our swallow numbers were really quite well down. Whereas some years we've seen them try to raise a third clutch you know if they've got here early enough they might be on their third clutch by the time they go so our skies can be filled with it yeah that is it is worrying isn't it that the, the decline of swallows I mean they've got such a treacherous journey to get here it's amazing that any of them do I'm hoping they have a good year this year um and what about hedgehogs Deborah never seen a hedgehog never seen a hedgehog no hedgehogs in our garden now I don't know we're quite we're not that low onto the levels, but um, we're, we're quite, we get quite waterlogged. I don't know if that causes an issue. It's strange because we have a lot of hedge, hedger, you know, if you look at our, in fact, we put a lot of hedges in. So you'd think that there was quite a good um, habitat for them, uh, but I've never, ever seen a hedgehog. Uh, but we do have a lot of badgers and I th- I wonder if badgers are affecting the numbers. Um, yeah, never seen one. I'd love one. It could be badgers. And and certainly in, in rural areas, um, hedgehogs are declining at a much greater rate than than urban areas. In fact, in urban areas, they've slowly started to creep up, which is amazing. Oh, so why is that? Why 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 in why is it I think it's partly to do with the wonderful campaign Hedgehog Street, where groups of neighbours get together and they cut holes into their fences and they feed hedgehogs and they leave compost, you know, all the wildlife friendly things. Um, and so the last time they did a hedgehog state of hedgehogs report was 2018. And they said that the declines were slowing. And this just recently, just a few weeks ago, they 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 released another statement that said it looks like actually um, their their fates are are um, improving, which is wonderful. I get about five hedgehogs in my tiny garden. Oh, don't you see? I've got hedgehog envy now. Oh, I'll swap you an otter <laughs> and a kingfisher. <laughs> um, so yeah, but um, fingers crossed that you do. The hedgehogs find you. It sounds like they're missing out. We do actually, I didn't mention them and I think they're probably my favourites. I don't know why I didn't mention them, but you also get hair. In fact, we rescued a baby hair that was definitely abandoned because I know, you know, I know um, young hair, young leverets are often left, aren't they, for their mother for a long time, you know, so people rescue them and not realising that actually, you know, they're just, they're just waiting for for their mum to return. Um, But we did, it was definitely abandoned in the middle of some gravel um, and we took it off to Secret World and it was nursed back to life. And then they they released it back on our land. And I, I keep seeing this, this, we see quite a lot of hairs around, but I keep thinking, oh, I do hope one of you is Pebble. (laughs) Oh, Pebble the hair. Um, And I suppose now it's March, isn't it? So they're, so they're boxing. 
Yes, I know. Yeah, we. I, I love. I mean, I love it. I. I could. I could watch them. We've got. A, um. Uh. We've got a big field that we do. We. We make hay out of. Um. And just seeing them over there, just having a good old scrap. <laughs> it's great. That sounds wonderful. I've never seen a boxing hair. It's very much on my list. Um. To go and to go and see some one day. So tell me how how the garden makes you feel, Deborah, on a day to day basis. How much do you love it? I um so I start every day every day rain shine ice snow um having getting a cup of tea in my hand and wandering around the close garden um it's it's pretty muddy we're on a clay soil it's pretty muddy generally um but we've got we've got pavias that allow us to walk all the way around the garden so that's my start to the day and I do that religiously because it makes me a better person it connects me with the world it gives me a moment of peace to get my mind together you know and and breathe some fresh air um uh, and particularly on a busy day I always make time for that um so I find it really really grounding and i and i think um having come through lockdown um i know it's been a you know we're out in the open again now but what i really appreciated is that the rhythm that both the garden and nature gives you because in a world where everything felt like it had stood still the flowers still came up in spring you know the birds still sang the animals still needed feeding you know that and and it gave me a real rhythm to life and i i so appreciate that now you don't appreciate it when you're really busy and you don't pay attention to it but when you've actually had to stop and and just watch that rhythm you know i i just i i i really appreciate it so do you think you appreciate it more since lockdown has lockdown just given you a, an increased love of the garden I think so. It's, it gave uh, it gave me time to really sit and guilt free um, watch it, but not not just as a void, you know, not just watching it, but but feeling part of it. When you watch it long enough, you know, you you begin to realise that this is actually all going all around you. It's not like a cinema screen where you sit here and you watch what's going on out there you realise that actually you're forming part of nature's world and the birds are, you know, I'm in their world and they, 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 you know, they avoid me or they nest over there or that, you know, so, so I felt more like I was in it as opposed to just observing it. And that's, is that felt like quite an honour, you know, it felt like I, I am actually part of this, you know, because sometimes us human beings, we tend to think that we're you know, we're, we're these superior beings over there and we watch everything else go on like some kind of guardian when, when in actual fact, you know, nature's pretty clever. Um, and if we just sat in it a little bit more, I'm sure we'd all feel a lot better for it. In your, in your formal area, do, do you do the gardening, Deborah? Are you, are you, would you say you were green fingered? <laughs> I am not at all green fingered, but I'll have a go. I'm actually quite good at weeding. It's really, I love weeding. I, I love weeding after the rain when the weeds come up really easily and you manage to get all of the roots out. Um, but I, the, I think I'm the most annoying type, which is uh, I have a view. <laughs> and, uh, and it's poor old Phil who looks after the garden. It's, it's his nightmare when I go to Chelsea every year because I come back with, you know, these big ideas about what we're going to do. And I think he leaves it for a couple of weeks and I forget about it and we stay where we were. Um, but no, I do. I enjoy gardening, but I'm not that experienced, although I am a really, really good weeder. And I am a little bit of that gardener who kind of gives it a go. And I'm a great believer 
if if I put a plant in somewhere and it dies, it probably doesn't want to be there. It's probably in the wrong spot. And I've got plants that I love my plants. They, they absolutely know where they want to be. I've got plants that have migrated from one, not just one end of the garden to the other, round the corner, you know, and into the other garden. And they found their home. And, and, and then I've adapted the garden to say, okay, that's where you want to be. You stay there. You know, and 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 I'll change. You know, I'll I'll make sure that you're in the. You know, you feel happy there. So yeah, it's um. You know, I've got a great respect for my garden. It knows how to garden itself. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you, so you've got quite a laissez-faire attitude to to the garden itself, or or do you get filled to you know keep it quite tidy? You know, in the in your near garden, is that quite formal and and well managed, or do you? It's- it's a combination of the two. I've learned to not get quite so stressed out about weeds, you know, because um, you've always got weeds. I don't care. I don't. You can you can spend days weeding a bed and think every single one's out, and you turn your back and you look back and there's a weed, you know. So I've got less. You know, we plant because we want low maintenance. So you know, generally plants that are going to ha- have a little bit of ground cover, and we will try to plant sort of the more ground covery plants with some of those that are more susceptible to weeds just to so that the the design of the garden helps us manage the weeds but um but I have become a little bit more relaxed about it and certainly we've got a um a, a, a very big vegetable patch we grow most of our own vegetables and certainly in the summer we're self-sufficient and you know that used to be pristine there was a lot of time spent pulling weeds out of that and now we're like do you know what they're not doing any harm they're not affecting as long as they don't affect the crop. Stay where you are. Brilliant. And have you found that that by having that attitude, by being more relaxed about weeds and and pests and things in in the vegetable garden, have you found that the vegetable garden looks after itself a bit better? Well, we so we don't we completely organic. We don't spray at all anywhere on the property. Um, the only thing we've had to tackle, we had a really bad infestation of mares uh, mares tail, and that we just couldn't get to the bottom of you know and it was it it t- took a lot of heart heart rate oh do we spray it do we what do we do with it we had to because that's all you know it was killing absolutely everything around it we will use things like nematodes to control some of the um vine weevils so you know we will use and um, some traps box moth trap we had some we had quite a bad um uh tack of box moth this year uh, last year and so you know we will set the box moth traps but but we but we are you know we don't spray don't spray at all um, and if you are going to have that attitude, I guess you, and actually, sorry, if you are going to have that attitude and you are patient enough, you do find that it does balance itself out more. We've got more birds. We've got birds that, that will eat the slugs. You know, we used to have a lot of slugs and snail, where now you can see the evidence. A thrush has been in and there's sort of, you know, snail shells everywhere. So, so if you've got the patience Nature does kind of find a way of of balancing it out, you know, but you do have to have patience because there's definitely moments in there where we're thinking, oh, no, 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 we need to intervene. But we didn't. We held our nerve. Good. Well done. Well done. I always, I mean, even I, you know, hardened, seasoned wildlife gardener, I still, if I walk past a really big infestation of aphids, I think, oh, my plants are being attacked. Um, but yeah, I always find it's more, it's more interesting to leave them because if you leave the aphids then the hoverflies come and then they lay eggs and then the hoverflies start eating the aphids and then the birds the house sparrows just pick through for their third brood um and then you get wasps coming in oh it's amazing i just i just yeah it's better than telly not better than dragon's den obviously 
<laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> but um, It's yeah. a lot more ruthless than Dragon's Den, though, that's for sure, oh, it isn't is. it? I mean, nature can be quite cruel. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. You know, we hoverflies and then wasps and sparrows, and it's all just eat, eat, eat. And, and yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to watch. Um, I mean, I suppose with 26 acres, you probably don't have many neighbours. Yeah, we don't. Um, uh, and actually, uh, the house does sit in the middle of the property. And uh, I mean, I've got it. We've, we've got a place in London because obviously I spend a lot of time um, traveling as well. Uh, and this is very much our sanctuary. So we did choose to be somewhere where where we were, you know, it was I could pull up the drawbridge, shut the door behind me. And, and you know, and uh, and if I chose to just be on my own obviously not on my own I have you know with Paul but for us to be on our own so yes we don't we don't have neighbours but we are actually surrounded by farmland um, and that in itself is an issue because um, some of the farmers they're organic and they're very you know careful about the way they manage their land um, and, and some of the farmers they spray and and we get drift you know so as much as we're organic and we've got bees and we worry about the bees um, you know, you can't control, obviously, what's beyond your borders. So we have to think very carefully about the placing of the bees, although obviously they're going to go wherever they want to go. But, you know, and also accept that there's probably certain sections of the farm that are not completely organic because, as I say, they will get spray drift. I mean, do you think that that your, your being there and all the amazing work that you've done on the land has, has influenced any of, of the farmers around well, we've definitely got some really good farmers um, who have been winning environmental wars for a long time. And actually, they've helped me, you know, so I can't say I've influenced them. They've helped me. Um, and interestingly, this uh, was it big, um, in February this year, we had a hedge expert come, a hedgerow expert come in because we wanted to manage our heads, hedges for wildlife. Um, and uh, Megan came around. We walked around. We came up with a with a new plan for the cutting and the, you know the trimming and the maintenance and and uh, and we talked to the the local contractor who then came and did the work for us. And he was really interested in what we were doing. And that's really good news because he does a lot of the farms around us. And that's how the word spreads. And he oh actually no this is really interesting. So hopefully you know word of mouth will mean that they will all start adopting some of the same methods. Have you got any plans next for the garden? Is there anything, is there, have you got any big projects that you want to do? Any any wildlife habitats you, you've yet to create? Well, we so we we, ten, we we have added most years. So um, we had a really damp patch um, by one of the, um, the sheep fields, actually. And so we decided that we would create a proper wildlife. So we sort of fenced it off so that, but I've got cats and they're not great for wildlife. So we fenced it off to make sure that there was a section there that nothing could get into. Um, well, I say nothing, obviously, um, <laughs> wildlife could get into. And uh, and um, we put we sort of dug out some natural ponds and left it. I mean, it, and, and this is the amazing thing about nature. You know, we dug it all out. It looked like a scar on the earth, you know, mud everywhere and just looked awful. Um, and we just left it and it's beautiful now, you know, it's, it's, it's wildflowers that we haven't seen in other parts of the property, you know, have come up. Uh, we've got these lovely rushes and reeds and we've got loads of frog spawn, um, sitting in there at the moment. Uh, dragonflies, we get the huge number of dragonflies. Um, so I don't know what's next. We have got to do some hedge laying. Um, some of our hedges are so old and so, um, so poor. 
top heavy, you know, big gaps at the bottom, top heavy, that we're probably going to embark on quite a big hedge laying project. Wow. And then you'll get more birds, I'm sure, as a result of it. Fantastic. I do hope so. That's the plan. That is the plan. <laughs> so so lastly, um, have you got any tips for our listeners? Um, I think the biggest thing, actually, um, I think of my gardeners on a small scale because actually when I'm in it, I'm in the bit that I'm in. You know, I, I, I don't look, I don't stand there and stare out at this vast expanse because actually everything has its own little ecosystem, you know, and, and vine weevils, they're not my favourite, but they, they're over in that bit of the garden, you know, and then I've got aphids over in that bit of the garden. I've got chafer grubs over, you know, so everybody has its own thing. And I think for me, I, when I learned to relax a little bit about the, and not worry about both the pests and the level of weeds, you know, I'm not talking about the mare's tail type things, but the things that actually are quite pretty. We've got an abundance of speedwell, hardly any at all last year. And we were about to pull it out. And I said, Jot, leave it because it's going to be full of those lovely little blue flowers. And we've left it. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And the thing about Speedwell, it's it's an easy pull. You know, once it's done, it's really easy just to pick it out of the garden, you know, put it in with the chickens. They will absolutely love it. Um, and 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 the garden looks looks lovely for it. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.